والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الخلق والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الخلق وخاتم الأنبياء وإمام المرسلين سيدنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا وإمامنا سيدنا محمد الصادق الأمين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن تبعه بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا Respected listener of Marcus Sahaba, voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, Zakaria Samir welcomes you once again into another new episode of our afternoon daily program, Mala. Firstly, I thank the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who has guided us, the one who is protecting us, the one who has so much of rights upon us and we don't fulfill many of our responsibilities towards him. But with that, he still have his mercy upon us. He still loves us. He still cares for us and grant us many ni'mas that he did not grant many others. So we thank you, Almighty Allah. We thank you for everything that you give us. Good, obviously, that you give us. You don't give us bad, as we are the one who oppresses our own selves, and we oppress others as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not oppress anyone. But we are the ones who oppress others and oppress our own selves. Subhanakallahumma amma yasifun. Subhanakallahumma amma yusrikun. Very important topic still. We are carrying on with this coronavirus. We have many viruses in the air, respected listener. But now the focus is on one virus that has exposed himself to us. May the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us, respected listener. Remember the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that has been going with an incident when one of the Muslimin during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went to the masjid to read salah and he had his vehicle with him that was a camel so he left the camel outside the masjid and he went to perform salah and after he performed his salah he came out looking for the camel there is no camel so there he goes to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, telling him, Oh Rasulullah, how can this happen to me? While I'm coming to his house to read my salah in his house and fulfill my duties towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how come Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not look after my vehicle while I left it outside the masjid, outside his house? How can Allah not to look after my property if I am coming to fulfill my duties for him in his house? How can that happen, O Prophet of Allah? 
So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam highlights a very important matter that the man did not have understanding of. So he said to him, اعقلها وتوكل اعقلها means you should have tied your camel you should have tied your camel and thereafter tawakkal then depend on Allah but you can't leave your camel loose and you come in the masjid and sit and come outside thinking that the camel is going to wait for you no you need to control your camel firstly, thereafter depend on Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, respected listener, it goes to all our affairs that we have to make sure that everything is secured, thereafter we depend on Allah. You don't leave your, your gate open and you say, I'm depending on Allah. You don't leave your house open and you say, no, I'm reading Salah, nobody will come in my house. Absolutely not. No, it cannot happen. You cannot relying, re, relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even when it comes to your own uh, uh, security matters. No, respected listener, you need to do your part. You need to do your job first. Thereafter, you say, Tawakkaltu ala Allah. Respected listener, I would like today to discuss with you some historical matters that you might not be aware of, or you might have forgotten it, or you might be not focused upon. What I'm going to be talking to you about now is history. History and facts that has happened, uh, uh, maybe not in our uh, uh, lifetime, maybe prior to that. I'm sure it is prior to that. Part of it is prior to our lifetime that we did not see, but the history has mentioned it to us. Not only the history, and the Quran as well has mentioned it to us in the Holy Quran. It is pertaining to our Masjid al-Haram, Kaaba. This area around the Kaaba, where we go and we make tawaf around the Kaaba. Not the Sa'i, that is Safa Marwa Sa'i, that is called Sa'i, but the tawaf that is around the Kaaba. And respected listener, you must understand something. The tawaf around the Kaaba is considered as Salah. Yes, it's considered as Salah. When you enter a masjid, a normal masjid, what do you do? You firstly, before you read anything, you do two rak'at, uh, 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 we call it tahiyyatul masjid. Tahiyyatul masjid means you are uh, 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 saluting the masjid, the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You show respect to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by uh, performing two rak'at salah in the masjid. But when you enter the masjid al-haram, you don't do that. But you do the tawaf. That is to show the respect and the greetings of the masjid and the house of the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, we need to know that the tawaf around the Kaaba is considered as Salah.
Recently, the Masjid Haram was closed temporary, temporary for security uh, uh, measures to prevent from spreading this coronavirus into the house of the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of us looks upon this specific matter as a disaster. Now, the condition is a disaster, but not closing the masjid uh, before the ta'ifin. Although the tawaf was still there, respected listener, but not in the sahan, not around the Kaaba itself, but it was on the third floor. As the authorities there, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect them and reward them for their effort. They were cleaning the areas and cleaning and uh, and uh, uh, seeing to the matters of uh, cleansing and cleaning the whole entire of the Masjid al-Haram. But they allowed the people on the third floor there, where there was no roof, where there is no roof, uh, to perform tawaf if they want to do so. But not in closed areas, not in limited areas, but in the open area on the third uh, floor of the Masjid al-Haram. Some people think that this is the first time ever that Masjid al-Haram was closed, temporary or not temporary. Well, I would like to correct your thoughts, inshallah, today by giving you a research about how many times Masjid al-Haram was closed. And not for a day, not for two, but for years, respected listener. Listen to this. Firstly, the first incident that has happened, which was in the year of the elephant. You know the year of the elephant, all of us, even our children know about the year of elephant. But I would like to remind you, inshallah, is about when Abraha from Habasha, from Ethiopia, attacked Masjid al-Haram in Mecca, wanting to destroy it. So, he came to Mecca with a great army. And he brought with him some African elephants. Arabs, during that time, did not know what is this creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they did not know how to deal with it. As soon as they saw this great army with these monsters that they had with them, they ran away into the mountains that are surrounding the uh, uh, Mecca. And they... Uh, 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 and they actually uh, took it as a shelter for them. They even left their own houses, thinking that maybe the army will come and attack them there. But the army has a specific mission, which is to destroy the Kaaba. Obviously, during that time, nobody went to Al-Haram in order to make tawaf or anything. During that time, there was tawaf, respected listener, even. They used to make tawaf, and the Masjid Al-Haram was closed. It happened between uh, the two years, 568 and 569, and uh, that was Amul Fil. We call it the year of the elephant. And during that time, Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was born. This is the first incident. The second incident, which happened during the time of 317 Hijri, 
after the Hijrah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 317 years. And that corresponds, that uh, date corresponds with the year 930 uh, uh, AC. 930. So it wasn't like a very long time ago. It was about 1,100 years or so. All right, but most of us, we don't know about this. Let me give you the real incident, what happened during that age. During that time, respected listener, there was a group of the group uh, uh, of the groups of Shia. They were called Karamita. Uh, Karamita has actually uh, took itself uh, took themselves out of the state of Fatimiyah. The state of Fatimiyah, it's an sta- Islamic state. Uh, it was called the Fatimiyah state. But those people took themselves out. The establisher of this group, which is called Karamita, now this is not all the Shia respected listener. This is a group of the Shia. The Shia are 12 groups. Karamita is one of the 12 groups. The establisher was Hamdan bin al-Ash'ath. And he was given the title of the Karmat. The Qarmat, Qarmat in Arabic language means the one who is uh, short, short as in height, short in height. The incident of this Qaramata that happened in the year 317, where the Qaramata used to attack continuously the, uh, some parts of Mecca, and they used to attack and hijack and kill the, uh, the, the people who are coming for Hajj uh, from Sham, from Yemen, from Iraq, from wherever they are coming to make Hajj. So they used to hijack them knowing that they have money and they have uh, some stuff with them. So they used to hijack them. They used to kill them and take their property. Year after year, Hujjaj number started reducing tremendously until the ulama of the Muslimin during that time in the year 317 had actually given permission to not make Hajj for the security of the Hujjaj life. And the Hajjaj properties as well. In the same year, and during the Hajj season, the the leader of the Karamita that time was called Abu Tahir al-Qarmati. He attacked Mecca. And he killed Hajjaj. He attacked Mecca, he attacked the Haram, and he started killing a great number of the Hajjaj. Why is that? Why is uh, that man started killing the Hajjaj because they considered Hajj as a Jahiliya act. Jahiliya act like worshipping idols and statues and all that. So they started killing everybody who's coming to make Hajj. Now, during that time, respected listener, obviously there was no Hajj, there was no Umrah, there was absolutely nothing. For how long? For how long? For 10 years. For 10 years. And after 10 years, now the Karamita are going away from Mecca. Now the power of the Muslimin is becoming stronger. So now they are under a, a, a threat that if you don't leave Mecca, we will attack and we will kill you all. 
So they were to leave Mecca. But before they left Mecca, you know what they did? Yeah, a robber is a robber. A thug is a thug. Uh, they, they, they stole the original door of the Kaaba. They stole the original door of the Kaaba, not only that, and they stole the Hajar al-Aswad as well, and took it to their capital that time. Where is the capital? Where was the capital? Al-Qatif. Al-Qatif was a city, in, in, it's a city in Saudi, and that was uh, where they have actually established themselves, and they sat there and made like a country for them in Al-Qatif. That is like uh, in the east of Saudi. Hajar al-Aswad remained with those people for 20 years until the Abbasi state, the Abbas Islamic State managed to return it on the year 337, 20 years, respected listener. And they had to be, uh, they had to pay for the Hajj al-Aswad and they paid that time 120,000 golden dinars. 120,000 golden, golden dinars. So, Hajj was for, forbidden for 10 years. Al-Haram, Al-Makki was closed for 10 years. Now, another incident. In the year 1814, 1814, where a plague attacked Saudi during the season of Hajj. During the season of Hajj. And it killed a thousand hujjaj every day. Every day. So they had to close the haram and they had to push the people out of it. And it took them from 1837 to 1892 to clean and cleanse the haram until they started uh, uh, receiving fresh hujjaj who don't have the plague and uh, they were secured. Now we come to the, the one that has happened which actually uh, um, uh, hurts me a lot. Yeah, it hurts me a lot. It happened during this century, 1979. You know, 1979 is how, how long it is. It's about 40 years. It's about 40 years, respected listener, from that time to today. It happened in November 1979, corresponding to the first of Muharram, 1400. And this incident is considered as the most famous of all incidents in the, in the history uh, of our time. You know what has happened. It led, it led to completely closing the Haram al-Makki after it was controlled by a man called Juhayman and his followers, who were hundreds only. They took control of the Masjid al-Haram for two weeks until the authorities, the Saudi uh, authorities, in a great big operation, managed to kill them, arrest some of them, 
That was in December 1979. Who is Jahiman al-Atabi? Jahiman al-Atabi is a Saudi citizen who has went the wrong direction. And they made a group called As-Salafiyya al-Muhtasibah. As-Salafiyya al-Muhtasibah. His name became very, very famous after this incident when he attacked the Masjid al-Haram with hundreds of his followers during the time of King Khalid ibn Abdul Aziz. Juhayman, or the group of Juhayman, actually were claiming that they have the Mahdi with them. And they wanted all the world to actually give him bay'ah, right? And they killed many people in the haram, respected listener. Yeah, because they went inside the masjid with weapons, with machine guns, and they started killing the hujjaj and killing the people. And the whole hajj stopped. For two weeks, respected listener, that happened in the 1980. When the authorities managed to take control of the matter once again, and let me tell you the truth, according to what I know, that the Saudi authorities uh, asked for the assistance of a foreign country to come and deal with this matter because they don't know how to deal with it. They came with their soldiers. It happened during our lifetime, respected listeners. So we have a bit of uh, uh, traces of the incident that is still in our mind. They came and they attacked them with helicopters uh, after the Mufti of Saudi gave uh, the green light for them to attack uh, as uh, they, they were considering how can we kill uh, those people in the haram. How can we spill the blood of another people in the haram? But the Mufti said, it is permissible because you are defending the haram from uh, 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 those uh, uh, terrorists who actually terrorize the Hajjaj, terrorize the Muslimin, and they're going the wrong direction. So they managed to arrest whoever they, they could arrest. They killed the leaders and uh, some, some of those uh, people who actually proven that they have killed people, they were executed. The people who were actually died among the Mu'tamirin and the Musalleen who were sieged in the Haram were hundreds, hundreds, respected listener. But the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved them. So it isn't the first time that the haram was closed temporary. No, it isn't the first time. It was because of attacks. It was because of terrorists. And even, and even prior to that, respected listener, there were many incidents that the haram was closed because of terrorism. Terrorism, respected listener. They used to, 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 to bomb the Kaaba. Yes, Hajjaj ibn Yusuf al-Thaqafi bombed the Kaaba because Abdullah ibn Zubair was taking shelter, refuge in the Kaaba and they could not get to him, so they bombed the Kaaba. They burned the Kaaba, respected listener. We say, Alhamdulillah, 
We say Alhamdulillah that in our country is Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. The authorities understand. So they say, no masajid now for this purpose, for security purpose. And we are to do that, respectful listener, if the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had made the haram halal, has made the haram halal for certain circumstances and certain conditions, yes, respected listener, to help the nation, to help saving lives, we are to do that. We are to do that, and don't forget, don't forget that the whole entire earth is a masjid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not only specific points that you can read salah in, you can read salah anyway on this uh, on this planet because it's all belonging to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not only the masjid that belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, the entire creation belongs to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, in order to prevent extra disaster, in order to save one life, one life, we are permitted to do such a thing like this, to protect the lives of the Muslimin, the lives of the Mu'mineen, even lives of non-Muslimin and non-Mu'mineen, we are to secure their lives. Absolutely. May the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala secure us. May the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us and make us amongst, the, amongst those ones who will be an element to save one person's life even, because if you save one person's life, if you save one life, whether it's a man or a woman or a child or even an animal, it's considered in the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's eyes as if you have, considered, as if you have saved the entire nation. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Let me leave you now for a short break. Thereafter, we come back, inshallah, for the continuation. Stay tuned. Alhamdulillah. Welcome, respected listener, once again into the continuation of Ma'Allah. And uh, we, you know, inshallah, Rabbil Alameen, that we are continuing with uh, the story of uh, the cow. Of Banu Israel, we've spoken about it yesterday, and I have uh, highlighted the matter of that the cow story was the first story mentioned in the Quran. Yes, it it yani, there is a wisdom behind that, respected listener. There is a wisdom behind that. Now you have the subject before you. I don't want to tell you what is the wisdom behind bringing the story of the cow right in the front of the Quran, right in the longest surah of the Quran. There is a great wisdom. I want you to actually focus on it and try to go deeper with your thinking to know why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the story of the cow right in the beginning of the Quran. The first story was the story of the cow. Yesterday, I mentioned to you about how uh, the start of the story was when uh, the uncle who was barren, he didn't have, he had, he had a, a, a girl. Uh, daughter, and he did not have any other children. 
his nephew wanted to marry his uh, daughter because that's uh, that's the, the tradition now that uh, the nephew must uh, marry the cousin. So the man, because his nephew was poor, he did not agree, he did not uh, allow this marriage to take place, which made uh, that young man very angry, and uh, he actually planned to kill his uncle, and he did kill him, but far away from where he was staying. So, uh, uh, thereafter, he pretended like he doesn't know anything, and then he went to his uncle's house asking for him. Then they said, no, he's not here from last night. He didn't come back. So he goes, like, searching for him here and there, and they, uh, he goes to the other tribe where they say, yes, we found this man. Why, why this man is here? Why he was killed? Then he said, yes, you killed him. I want my money for, for the blood of my uncle. I am his uh, his inheritor now. I am his successor now. So uh, I am the one who you're going to deal with. So now, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the types of uh, the Jews are 12, respected listener, hey? and they don't like one another. They always have differences between them. But they pretend that they are so much uh, like friends and uh, they are brothers, but in their hearts they don't like one another at all. So they, they accuse each other. And uh, the, 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 the people whom uh, the, uh, that uh, guy who actually accused them with said, we don't have a problem. We don't have a problem paying the blood, uh, the, uh, the blood of, of the, your uncle, but we have to know who killed him. We need to know who killed him, because he was killed in our tribe, in, in, in our area, yes. So it, it seems to be like one of us who has killed him, but we don't know who killed him. So we need to know who killed him. So they said, why should you be uh, confused? You have a Nabi amongst us, and Sayyidina Musa is there. Why don't we ask him? Maybe he will give us an answer. So Sayyidina Musa tells them, okay, if you want to know who is the killer, then you need to slaughter a cow. So how can you? <laughs> We're asking you something. You're telling us something else. How can we slaughter a cow? Is this the answer? He said, yes, this is the answer. Slaughter a cow. Oh, slaughtering a cow now. All right. What type of cow it is? What color it is? How old it is? Oh, what type it is? Many questions. But Ibn Abbas said, Ibn Abbas said that if the Jews actually did not object and they did not argue, and they just took the command and they uh, 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 done it. As Sayyidina Musa said, it, life would have been easier for them, but they are not of that type. They are not of that type. They are very argumentative, and uh, they are very challenging. So they made it uh, uh, very, very hard for them. The Quran says, قَالُوا ادْعُ لَنَا رَبَّكَ يُبَيِّنْ لَنَا مَا لَوْنُهَا They say, 
call upon your Lord. See, even the, the words, respected listener, that they use are uh, like uh, disrespectful to the Rasul, to the to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. First he said, قَالُوا ادْعُ لَنَا رَبَّكَ يُبَيِّنْ لَنَا مَا هِيَ إِنْ قَالَ إِنَّهُ يَقُولُ إِنَّهَا بَقَرَةٌ لَا فَارِضٌ وَلَا بِكْرٌ عَوَانٌ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ We ask him, call upon your Lord, not call upon our Lord. We don't say call upon your Lord. We, call, we say call upon our Lord. يُبَيِّنْ لَنَا مَا هِيَ We need to know what type it is. What, uh, what uh, how big it is, how old it is, give us some description of it. So he said, Inna baqaratun la faridun wa la bikrun awanun bayna thalik. As I mentioned yesterday, that those people used to grow cows, not sheep, like us, not sheep. So they used to grow cows. So the cows were all over around them. Moving here and there. So, Sayyidina Musa said, it has to be farad. What is farad? Farad means uh, that old tab of a cow that doesn't give birth. La farad means not old. Wala big and not young. Like that one who has given only birth to one calf. Awanum bayna dhalik means in the middle between that. Not old, not young. Uh, not that it has given birth for ten calves. Not that one who has given only one calf or given birth to one calf. ma Do what you are commanded to do. They did not do. They said again. Again, ask your Lord. What color that it has? قَالَ إِنَّهُ يَقُولُ إِنَّهَا بَقَرَةٌ صَفْرَاءُ فَاقِعٌ لَوْنُهَا تَسُرُّ النَّاظِرِينَ Then he said to them, it has to be. Now they, since that they are asking color, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making it tougher upon them. It has to be a yellow type of a cow. Like the, the, the glittering yellow, very like very glittering, shining. When somebody looks at it, he will be pleased. See, he is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making it harder for them. Again, again, the third time, respected listener, three times. So, now he's the asking uh, the asking Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Sayyidina Musa tell us about the qualities of that cow. See the descriptions first first, the age uh, first and the descriptions and now they want to do the qualities of this. What what is it what is it what can it do? So Sayyidina uh, Musa alayhi salatu wasalam said uh, that it, it it is not that cow that actually digs into the ground, because they use they used to uh, use cows for plowing the ground. Not all the cows, certain cows, uh, 
So that cow that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them to do is not that one that plows the ground, neither it is uh, uh, the one that uses to bring water from under the ground and uh, 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 keeps on uh, rotating that uh, machine that brings water from underground. No. لا شيئة فيها no علامات no uh, no actually descriptions on its body that you can have subhanallah it became very very hard now قالوا الآن جئت بالحق now we know it they were, did not know it now they know it because they know that there is a cow with such descriptions as it has been mentioned. I will tell you the story, the continuation of the story, inshallah, after the break. Let's go for a short break after we come back for the continuation of the story. WhatsApp us on 084-786-3132. Of our story, the cow of Banu Israel. So they tell him, yeah, we know of that cow. That cow belongs to uh, a mother with her son. In fact, the cow belonged to do that often. Yes, the boy was an orphan. And the cow was an inheritance that his father left for him. Now the boy who is an orphan and his mother who looked after him, they were very humble, they were very poor, and the only property that they had, the only wealth that they had was that unique type of a cow, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selected for Banu Israel to slaughter in order for them to know who is the one who has killed that uh, that man uh, in their tribe? So they go to him. They go to him and they ask him to sell them the cow. Obviously, the news spread, and often with his wife, with his mother, they know that they are the ones who had this cow only in the whole of the entire of uh, the kingdom of the Jews. So, and and the Jews actually, respected listener, were very very uh, reluctant to help this often with his mother, and they, they did not assist him in anything in any way. Uh, they did not help them in any, in any uh, matter of theirs. That's why they were isolating themselves. They were staying uh, far away from them. And uh, the, the boy was uh, looking after the, the cow for a very long time. And uh, uh, when they came to purchase it from, uh, from uh, him, he said, I'm not going to give you an answer until I ask my mother. The mother said to him, tell them, no, I am not selling this cow. So he told them, I am not selling the cow. They said, okay, listen to to us now nicely. We will give you two golden coins for this cow. Two golden coins, respected listener, are a lot of money for a cow. They have cows. They have many, many cows. And uh, two gold coins for a cow 
is an expensive price for a cow. So he said, okay, I'm going to go and ask my mother. So he goes to ask his mother. The mother says, no, we're not going to accept two coins. Then they come back to him and say, okay, we will give you 10 coins. 10 coins of gold we're going to give you. 10 coins of gold, respected listener, during that time can buy at least 10 cows. So he goes back to his mother. He never made a decision on his own. Always went back to his elders to ask them about the mashura. The mother said, no, we're not going to sell it for 10 golden coins. He goes and tells them, no 10 coins. He said, okay, we're not going to give you 10 golden coins. We'll give you 20. 20 golden coins he can have a herd of, of cows. That's if he wants. But the mother said, no, we're not going to sell this cow. Even if they give us 200 golden coins for the cow, we are not going to sell it. And he tells them that. Hey, I'm not going to sell it even for 200 coins. They were very furious. The, the Jews, respected listener, uh, those, those, those type of people, they love wealth, hey? They love wealth very much. They love money a lot. Uh, and and uh, and it was very very uh, uh, bad news for them for the boy to tell them two hundred coins that you don't want to sell. Oh, you can buy a thousand of those cows for two hundred coins. What are we talking about? Then they said, okay, what do you want? What do you want? How much you will be happy with to sell us this cow? This cow we need it. We want it. And you have, to, you have to sell it to us. We're not going to leave you until you sell it to us. So the mother looked at her, at her son and said, We're going to sell it for its weight of gold. So you weigh it, 100 kilos, 200 kilos. We want the weight of this cow in gold. In gold. And they weighed it, respected listener. And they weighed it with gold. It was like pieces of the flesh coming out of them when they were putting the gold uh, coins on the scale. It was very, very hard for them. And now what made it hard for them, respected listener, you know? Their argumentative attitude. Their way of disrespecting Rasulullah Sayyidina Musa Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Disrespect in every way and in every manner which made Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala give them the same medicine to them. Humiliating them, making one orphan child, one, one, one poor orphan child to control them. Yes, and every time they come and beg him to sell the cow, he used to say, no, we're not going to sell it. No, we're not going to sell it. Till they used to kiss his hand, please, please, please. And at the end, he said, he put his condition, he put his word. It wasn't his, it wasn't their quotation. It wasn't their offer that they have given him. It was his word and mostly his mother's word. And there they give him its weight of gold 
and they take the cow and they slaughtered it. What the mother did after that when she received all this gold that she is, what is she going to do with it? They, uh, uh, thieves and, and uh, thugs might kill her for this uh, uh, great amount of gold. So she goes to Sayyidina Musa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and gives him all the gold that she had and she takes only one golden coin after after she gave all the gold to Sayyidina Musa, she takes only one golden coin and she said, that is sufficient for us. We, do, we don't need all that. We give you this to spend it for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A great sadaqah. Great sadaqah from a very humble person, a poor person who is looking for food from one day to another. She said, we don't need anything more than this. This is for my son's future, not even for me. I'm not going to spend it. We're going to carry on doing whatever we are doing, and we will have that piece of bread, and we will be happy with it. Sayyidina Musa thanked him, and he made a special dua to that offering, respected listener. See, amongst every nation, there is good, there is bad, there is terrible, and there is humble. We must understand this respectful lesson. All the people are not the same. All the people are not the same. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us differently. Although we look the same, but we are not the same. So, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam slaughtered the cow and then he took a piece of the tongue of the cow. And he goes and he hits the, the body with the tongue, part of the tongue of the cow. And there the man rises up and say, this man killed me. And obviously he was executed and he was hanged. This is the story of the cow of uh, Banu Israel. What do we learn from there? Maybe we, each one of us see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us so much different that we, each one of us has his own mind, has his own way of thinking. I think this way, you think another way. And he thinks a different way. And she thinks something else. This is mercy of the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the rahmah of the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Each one has his way of thinking. As long as we all pour into one pot, that is our beliefs, then there is nothing wrong with our thinking. Each one of us have his own opinion. May the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ability to realize the wisdom of the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to see the wonders of the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us more of knowledge so we can come closer and closer and closer to Him. Ameen. Ya Rabbal Alameen. At the end I say, Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.